fell right down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right hey. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Paul Heather Dog Ninja Sometimes they're cat Freddy, but never the ferrets. Hey guys, I'm Em. And I'm Christine from And That's Why We Drink Podcast. And from one spooky podcast to another, you guys are listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Hey guys, welcome to episode 336 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Happy New Year! Yeah! You know, yesterday, while we're on that subject, yesterday we ran, or I guess I guess it was Friday, we ran the episode that had you singing with Tragic, when you had that little hook that you did oh, for him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we've had like three different people that I guess maybe just heard it for the first time mm-hmm. or whatever that was complimenting you on your singing. Oh, well, I didn't do a very good job just then. Dang. But thank you, guys. That was really nice. <laughs> that was fun doing that. I love tragedies. Awesome. Obviously, we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you for everything that you do. Yes, thanks, guys, for everything that you do, keeping us safe. I wish you could be home for the holidays, and I'm sure most of you are. And that's a good thing. But thank you, guys, for having our backs and watching over us so we can sleep at night. We love you. And Happy New Year's to you all. Absolutely. Okay. 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 What? Oh. Let's go ahead. I was just going to say that it's, you know, I've talked to a lot of people Mm -hmm. this week that are really struggling. Yeah. For a bunch of different reasons. But it's just another constant reminder that Though you might be having a good time, New Year's celebrating, that it's not a great time for everybody. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying don't go have a good time. I mean, if if you... Don't drink and are, drive. If you're, yeah, definitely not that. But if you're one of these people that really enjoys the holiday, that's awesome. And just remember that you may have some friends or family members that don't enjoy it so much. And just kind of keep an eye on them. Absolutely. Please do that, guys. Because... You know, it, a lot of people do struggle this time of year. I, I actually struggled this Christmas myself. I'm all about it and so excited, but then I just kind of like lost my luster, I guess. And I don't like that. That's not how, I, you know, that's not how I want to be, but sometimes you just can't help it. And so just, you know, make sure you guys reach out and talk to us and, our group's available 24-7 because there's people all over the world, which we're so blessed and so grateful for, to talk to. And you can call Jerry or myself, and, you know, we can give you our numbers if you want to do it that way. Um, you could also call 988, and also you can text 741-741. They'll be happy to talk with you guys. But there's not a shortage of people who can you can talk to at all. And we'd be glad to do it. And just know that we love you all. And if you just get to feeling down, then 
I will probably dress Jerry up, put some makeup on him. You still got those handcuffs? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm playing. But you know what I'm saying? Because I know you would definitely get a good laugh out of that. So anyway, we love you guys so much. And you just know that we are there for you guys no matter what time, day or night. Please just call us. And I actually look very good in makeup. I don't know what was so funny about that. Well, okay. Just, I, lo- I love you, just honey. Just let it be. Okay, I love you. <laughs> All right, Tracy. So it's been a while. It's since... been a while. Are you done? Sorry. <laughs> I mentioned one thing about you singing, and now it's going to be American Idol all night no, long. No, uh-uh. I just thought that song. Sorry. Go ahead. I'll shut up. It's been a while since we've done a story from New Jersey. I honestly think, what? Did we just do some We story? did some shorts, oh. but not everybody gets those. Okay. Well, I thought I was tripping. I'm like, I know we just did a thing on shorts or something. I, I'm trying to, I was trying to think of what stories we've done from New Jersey. Obviously, we did the New Jersey Devil, and we did the Watcher story that was where's the tasmanian devil at (laughs) not just in cartoons tasmania oh (laughs) 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 okay i know any guess where tasmania is Uh uh-uh i have no clue it's over in the australia new zealand part of the world oh i'm so sorry i did not realize it's a little island that's kind of off the coast my bad all right thank you What's next? Are we going to talk about where Bohemian Rhapsody's from? No. Uh, it's from Freddie Mercury's mouth. <laughs> All right. This location that we're going to cover tonight, I was completely unaware of until earlier this week when I started looking up some New Jersey stories to cover on the shorts. Mm-hmm. And as I started looking at all these different ones, one of them kind of stood out. It was in a list. And I said, this looks kind of cool. And typically, I give you behind-the-scenes stuff. I've I've said this before on here. But a lot of times, to find these stories, I will look up lists. Mm -hmm. Random lists. I might say Haunted New Jersey. And I might find two or three different lists with all these different places. And most of them don't have a lot of information. They're just snippets. But you know, it's amazing how many places, that, like if you say whatever, you'll always find something. I just think it's amazing, though. But you'd also be surprised how many lists that I look through before I find something. Like, So if I might find something every once in a while, I'd say like this one, Hunted New Jersey, and there might be 12 or 15 places on the list. Mm -hmm. And I'll read each one, and I'll say which one sounds interesting. And then I will look up other stories online about that particular location. And if I don't find much more, because sometimes all there is is that little blurb. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's crazy. And right? so if I don't find enough information to do a full show, it might end up being a story that we do on um, shorts. Shorts. Or it could be a story that we do for. Um, My fortunes. No. Oh. Are you done? I'm sorry. I was just trying to help you think because <laughs> you were struggling. Dead time stories. Oh. That's what I was going to say. Because that's where I, dead time stories was designed to basically do short stories like that. They're mm-hmm. just eight or ten minutes. Mm-hmm. And so that's where some of those end up at. And that's why a lot of times in a week, you might get a story from New Jersey on dead time stories and a story on a regular because I'm looking up that state or that city or whatever to find these stories. But sometimes I'll, I will look up a bunch of different lists and still not find a story for that week. So it can, you know, be a whole bunch of videos on YouTube of haunted places or whatever before. But there's a lot of research that goes into just finding the location that we're going to do the story on. Not even the actual research for the story, if that makes sense. So Get on with it already. I'm just trying to tell people. What Dig. <laughs> anyway, 
I found those stories and I found this one I wanted to do. So we're going to cover Ringwood Manor in Ringwood, New Jersey. At least it's not Ringworm. No. Or Raleigh, uh, Molly Ringwood. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this mansion has several wings and 52 rooms. 13 bathrooms and 24 fireplaces. Nice. That sounds amazing. It was originally built in 1807. This building. We'll get into some stuff that was there beforehand. But this building was originally built in 1807, and it was eventually deeded to the state and turned into a museum in 1936. And we're going to tell you everything from then Mm -hmm. um, on and everything that happened before then up to that building and up to when it was given as a museum and everything afterwards. So that's just a little synopsis. Now, technically, this sprawling mansion was built at, like I said, started in 1807, but it was added on to over the years, over the years, over the years. And we'll give you uh, some dates on that. But it started off pretty simple. There was a house actually built on the same location, and it was built in 1740. This was 1807. Oh. So there was a house there yeah. before then. In fact, before the house was built, artifacts were actually found on the site that confirmed that Native Americans had lived there during the archaic and the woodland period of prehistoric times. Oh, my goodness. The Native Americans would have spoken a language called Muncie. And they would have been, a. this would have been this area right where all this land was, would have been a hunting and farming paradise. The Ringwood River Valley, as it's called, they would have traded with other Native American tribes in that area for whatever they needed. So, give you a little bit. These Native Americans would have been known as Lenape, and they recognized that this was the earth itself had special forces at work, and this area was abundant with those special forces. So, it was a magical place for them. So from then on, the area was considered sacred ground with supernatural occurrences. So this goes all the way back to prehistoric days. Now, well, some of that probably was after prehistoric days because there's not a whole lot that was passed down from people during the prehistoric area. I would think there would be. No, but I mean, even in more modern day Native Americans, it was listed that way. So I would imagine it was probably passed down, mm-hmm. but, you know, we're just going by word of mouth at this point. Yeah, of course. Some think that the Earth's immense magnetism at Ringwood affects all types of matters. So it's also said that the Highlands region, which is all in that era, was a gathering place for all of the diverse Native Americans in the Northeast. So they would all mm-hmm. travel there to so meet must, up and yeah. stuff because it was so special. All right. So while these paranormal forces are a mystery, it is known that there were lots of iron in the hills and the valleys of Ringwood. Therefore, the Ogden family actually started the Ringwood Company in 1742, and they built the first blast furnace to begin mining and selling iron from the area. By 1771, the last ironmaster of the American Iron Company was sent from England. His name was Robert Erskine. He would run the company during the Revolutionary War. So the iron that was actually mined out of that site would help supply the Continental Army with components of the chain system that was used to defend the Hudson River. 
It was also used to uh, make camp ovens, tools, and hardware. Wow. So it was very useful. That sounds like it. After the war, Martin Ryerson bought the Ironworks Company. That was 1807. That's also when he started construction on the mansion. So the home before yeah. was actually that Robert Erskine that we talked about. Mm-hmm. He's the one that owned that home that was there in the 1700s. Okay. And we're going to talk a little more about him a little bit later in the story. So they start the, building this mansion in 1807. And like I said, the first version was actually completed in 1810 of what you see today. That first version of the house that was completed in 1810 was a 10-room federal-style building. Oh, a 10-room? Yeah. It like was a only, T-I-N? Yeah. No, oh, T-E-N. No. It had oh. 10 rooms. Oh, it had 10 rooms. My bad. Okay. And it eventually would end up at 52 rooms. But when it was first completed, mm-hmm. it was 10 rooms. Good. The Ryerson's house was then purchased by Peter Cooper in 1853. Now, that property had the house... 19,000 acres. It also contained Long Pond Ironworks area. So I guess that was a different uh, iron company. He bought all this for $100,000. But when you think about it, in the 1850s, $100,000 was still a lot of money. I know. It just sounds like... Yeah, when it's 19,000 acres. acres, Yeah. So anyway, he bought bought that for 100 grand. The Cooper Iron Business... uh, that he owned was managed by his son, Edward, and his son's business partner, Abram S. Hewitt. I told you we were getting some dates when there were some additions made to this house. Those dates were 1864, 1875, 1900, and 1910, and that'll get you to the size that the home is today with the 52 rooms. Okay. So all of it was done after mm-hmm. Ryerson sold the house. So literally from... Uh, 1810 when the house was completed until the 1840s when he sold it, it was just that 10-room house. All the changes took place afterwards. That's a lot of changes. Now, eventually, like with all mining towns, they eventually dry up and they kind of start, you know, the towns kind of start drifting apart and they diminish Mm -hmm. most of the time. The iron industry had moved further west in America, and Ringwood Iron Mines finally closed down. In 1938, as we discussed earlier, the Hewitt family donated Ringwood Manor and all of its contents to the state of New Jersey. And today, it's uh, pretty much reserved as a historic house, a museum, and a state park. So it still has all its regular stuff in there? As far as I know. The Ringwood Manor and its grounds are an excellent examples of Victorian wealth and lifestyles. All right, that's some history for you. How about some hauntings? Sounds great. There's absolutely no shortage of ghosts at Ringwood Manor from all accounts that I've read. There are four different places that are said to be haunted. They say that if you decide to wander the halls at nighttime of the mansion house, you may see something that will thrill you if you're into that kind of a thing uh or it could really make you a believer if you aren't good either way is a good thing many guests have ran into the ghost of a servant by the name of jackson white now his story is interesting he supposedly haunts a small bedroom up on the second floor 
The legend here says that Jackson worked as a servant for the family in the early 1900s. Unfortunately, he was caught stealing food from the pantry in the middle of the night. One of the white workers beat the man to death in his room. In modern times, people have heard sounds coming from that empty room. Things like footsteps, heavy objects falling, and a soft crying. They also said that they find the door ajar on a regular basis, and the bed is messed up as if somebody's been sitting and laying on it, when there's been no guest in there at all. That really makes me mad. This is like no reason for that crap. Well, and again, that's the legend. We don't know. I didn't see any factual things saying that did happen, but that's the story behind it. But yes, if that truly happened, that's absolutely horrible. Yep. So we talked a little bit about Robert Erskine. Now, what I didn't mention is that he was the one-time owner of Ringwood Manor. I guess I did kind of mention it, but he, he owned that house that was there when it was in the 1740s. Now, here's a fun fact for you, though, that I didn't tell you. He was also a geographer and a survey general for George Washington for the Revolutionary War. Well, look at him. During the war, though... Was his hair curly? I have no idea. I've not seen a picture of it. Oh. During the war, though, Robert Erskine got a bout of pneumonia that he didn't recover from, and he actually died in 1780. He was buried at the manor behind the pond. Mm-hmm. So guess where the next haunting's located? Behind the pond. That's a good guess. Behind the manor pond, to be exact. But the locals are scared to go anywhere near that grave at dusk because they say that Erskine can be seen sitting on his, his grave or his headstone staring straight across the pond. Well, you ain't got nothing else to do. <laughs> on a side note... That pond has actually been created for a woman by the name of Sally, who can also be seen around the graves. She's usually uh, greeting guests with like a flowery scent, and oftentimes with music, which I would think if you're outside, maybe it's just flowers? Well, it could be. Maybe. <laughs> I wonder maybe. why they would build a, I mean, have a pond right next to the cemetery i don't know what happens if well it it's not a cemetery it's one grave oh well, well technically well, there's well, okay. there's another grave we'll talk about that may or may not be a case but there was just one grave and he was buried there and i think the uh pond was probably already there gotcha so other locals say that they've seen erskine spirit walking around the mansion carrying a lantern sometimes he's seen sitting in the grass of the property up uh, around the actual house Others have said that Erskine tries to lead followers to a nearby bridge. We'll talk a little more about that towards the end. But there's also another spirit that rises from a large roadside boulder, moaning and crying. From a boulder? Yeah. I'm gonna get I'll get into more details on that a little bit. Oh. So hold your question on that one. Okay. Sometimes I just like to tease little things and mm -hmm. then I get into them as they as it fits better in the story. The third place that's haunted is a different grave. And I said there was maybe another grave. It's said that near Erskine's grave is an unmarked grave filled with the remains of French soldiers who actually fought during the Revolutionary War. The legend here says that during the days, all you can see is a depression in the grass 
near Erskine's grave, as if somebody was standing there, but you can't see them, so you can just see the flattened grass right there. But at nighttime, it's a different story altogether. When all the lights are out and the moon is shining bright over the property, the dead return to walk around the pond. Was that scary? No. Not really. Anyway, they gaze over the shore in search of their loved ones, is Aww. what it says. I don't know how they would know that, but that's what it says. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can actually even hear a soft voice speaking French. Oui, oui, I'm over here. <laughs> that's exactly what they would be saying. <laughs> no bon voyage or... Uh-uh. Bon. The last haunted location we're going to talk about is the actual grounds itself of the Ringwood Manor. As I mentioned earlier, it's said that it holds an ancient burial ground. When the house was built over the remains, it brought on a curse and the haunting, which may be the reason for all the paranormal activity and the dark energy that so many visitors seem to feel here. Some have even said that spirits have attached themselves and they've came home with them. That's not good. Mm-mm. So, is Ringwood Manor really haunted? Well, back in 1986, New York Times talked to the curator, at that time, 42-year-old Elberton J. Pro. That's an interesting name, Elberton. Yes, that's the first time I think I've ever heard that name or seen it in print. Mm-hmm. The reporter, a gentleman by the name of Albert Parisi, asked Pro if he believed in ghosts, and he got a rather... Firm, no, I don't believe in ghosts. But he did admit that Ringwood Manor had plenty of legends of things that go bump in the night. He also said that there are things that could be felt but never seen. Pros said that over the years, there had been several reports from visitors claiming to feel a presence or a spiritual force within the house. William Cernick, the estate supervisor, said that he thinks that there are sightings and Feelings of people, but they're more the work of an overactive imagination with an occasional kook thrown in. (laughs) Nice. Pro said that the legends persist, but he never actually has seen anything. He said, to be quite honest, he wouldn't know what to do if he did see something. He did say that he did admit, though, that this would be an ideal setting for ghosts. Pro also said that these legends serve a purpose. When the ironworks were active, the mining community tended to be very superstitious, and ghostly tales were circulated to keep outsiders actually away from the mines. Mm-hmm. That's some Scooby-Doo stuff right there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Pro then went on to talk about the ghost in the main house. He said that they don't know the identity of this particular ghost, but it is said to pass through a door and slam it. It would then proceed noisily down the hallway and up the stairs. It then vanishes at the top of the second floor landing. He said that whatever it is, it seems to be in a hurry. He said it feels more like a poltergeist since it's heard and never seen. For someone who doesn't believe in ghosts. I, I was just sitting here thinking that. And I was going to say, I mean, would he ever admit it to it to anybody? But it seems like he is uh, being a little sketchy on this whole I thing. mean, he seems to have a lot of experiences yeah. and have a lot of the terminology down. Yeah. Well, I don't mm-hmm. think it's this. I think it's a more of a poltergeist because yeah. he knows all this stuff for somebody who doesn't believe. But anyway, then he talks a little bit about Robert Erskine's ghost. 
He said pretty much what we had reported earlier, that he sits on the tomb, but he said he would also travel to the wooded bridge at Drink Brook. That's the bridge that we were telling you about mm-hmm. that people said that, They don't want to go around it? Well, it was saying no, they were saying that uh, he would sometimes lead them to a bridge. Well, that bridge apparently was a wooden bridge at Drink Brook. And that bridge is about 100 yards from his tomb. So, he said that he carries a pale blue lantern, and it smacks against his shin bone as he's walking. Oh. You have to live your afterlife constantly smacking something into your shin bone. I mean, apparently you can't feel it. Well, anyway, when he reaches the bridge, he disappears. All right, so let's talk about the ghost that comes out of the boulder. I told you I was going to tell you a little more about her. Over shoulder boulder holder. <laughs> According to Pro, that boulder <laughs> is called Spook Rock. Spook and it Rock. sits on an old mining road named Margaret King Avenue. Now, the rock has a crack in it. This is where the spirit actually comes out of. The crack? Yes. The spirit is known as Mad Mag. Well, we, I'd be mad too if I had to come out of a crack. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Depends on what kind of a crack it is. Ah, not even that crack would be very good. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. After coming out, she vanishes back into the rock. So just think of her. She comes like a, I guess maybe like a mist or something. And then she's a person. It's like a genie in a bottle type situation. But why? I, got I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. It means I don't know. All I do know is that residents on foot avoid that area at nighttime. Now, Pro said that in a place that has such history as Ringwood Manor, it's only natural that legends would spring up. This place is reminiscent of another time and another world. Mr. Pro did say that as a curator for 18 years at the time, he had never been inclined to spend the night there. I mean, I don't blame him. I wouldn't either. I still want to know why she's in that crack. (laughs) He said that maybe someday he would he would spend the night there just to prove to himself that creaks and groans are sometimes just the house settling and perhaps the wind and nothing more. Hey, you know what I forgot to say at the no. beginning of the show? Uh-uh. Are you sure? You don't know? I you know I don't. <laughs> I forgot to tell you that we have an interview on. It's actually a good one. With Tim and Dana Halloran from the Bigfoot Influencers Podcast. We met them at CryptidCon, mm-hmm. and uh, they are an awesome couple and have a fun podcast. And Tim's got a book that's got basically almost every big name Bigfoot hunter in it. Yeah, it's pretty stories. amazing. Pretty amazing. So, anyway, I forgot to tell you that. So, anyways, Tracy, that is our story on Ringwood Manor. Mm-hmm. And we are going to take a quick sponsor break. We'll be back. I'll update you on, uh, on what I know about the cruise, which isn't much, so... Still a teaser. <laughs> but anyways, we're going to take this quick break and we're, we'll cover some uh, housekeeping and then we'll listen to Tim and Dana. All right. All right, Tracy. So on the cruise, I'm working on it. I can tell you this. We're going to have a new travel agent this time. And uh, I've had a, a conversation with this travel agent and we're going to meet in person. The problem right now is I'm, I'm not really sure what the holdup is. Typically with Royal Caribbean, they have dates 18 months out. So we had said, hey, we're going to do it in July. So we thought the dates would be there on December. 
But as of right now, they've got a couple of the same crews that we took. So there's a couple of dates in July of 2024 for the uh, for a Caribbean cruise, but we're wanting to go on a different cruise this time. And they haven't put those dates out yet. Oh. But the travel agency is going to actually talk to Royal Caribbean next week and uh, get back with me. And hopefully we can have some dates or at least know when we will have dates and then we can... Uh, put everything together so my goal is to hopefully by the beginning of february which is the same thing we did last time it was february is to have the cruise up and running so people can start calling and booking and stuff like that but i know there was some aggravation with some of the bookings and stuff last time so we went a different route this time and i I think uh, that i've done a lot of research and i think this will hopefully be a more pleasant experience overall yeah and we'll just leave it at that yeah all right yeah. Live shows. There's a bunch of them. Dang, there is. Still working on New Orleans. I did have somebody actually reach out to me that, that uh, works for the Superdome. And she was able to give me a list of places that may be able to help. I'm working on that this coming week. And now that we're past the holidays, I'll actually have a little more free time to be able to do that. So I'm working on that. But other than that, we've got about as many shows set up as we've ever had. And we've sold... I know, and then this was the last two years, me saying we were going to do less. Less is more, Mm. but sometimes more is more, too. And that's where we're at. But anyways, we got haunted jails. we got haunted elementary schools. We've got, what else we got? Buffalo, New York, Detroit. I mean, all these great places, Pigeon Forge. Hopefully, Buffalo will be thawed out by then. Yeah, yeah. That's why we did that in July. I was (laughs) not going anywhere near Buffalo in the wintertime. Here's the deal, though. Let me pronounce it, pronounce that a little more clear. Deal. Here is the deal, though. Mm-hmm. Every place that we're going, there's a special reason for it. We're going to Buffalo, not only because we wanted to be able to put a show up for our Toronto listeners, as well as our upper New York area, because other than when we went to Philadelphia, we've not been up in that part, but also because it's close to Niagara Falls. It's Well, that's where Niagara Falls is. So we thought that's a place that people could come and get something else out of it besides us. We're doing Detroit because we've never been to Michigan. So we thought that would be cool. I mean, and, and let's be honest, who doesn't want to go to Detroit? Second of all, we're doing Pigeon Forge because it's a it's a place where you can come and spend the weekend at the time where they got all the leaves changing. That's what people do there. So we're doing that. The show we're doing in the Haunted Jail speaks for itself. It's in a haunted jail. And then we're doing a the haunted post-talent elementary inside there. We're trying to, so we're trying to see, and if we do New Orleans, which we're working on, if we can get that going, that's New Orleans at Halloween time. So you can see everything that we, every show we're setting up, it is strictly because, hey, it's going to be cool as hell. And the only one that's really not like that is the Louisville show. But Louisville is where we're from, and we always get a great turnout. And it's spooky at times. Yeah. Well, I mean, but I, I say that, but we're doing it during the daytime. So we're going to try to do it like we did last time and, and uh, get everybody to go to Waverly Hills afterwards. So there is still a reason why we're doing it there. It's for people to be able to go to Waverly afterwards. So, And I was just waiting. There, were, there was a bunch of legal stuff going on with Waverly, and I think all that's going to be cleared up by then. So... Um, we should be good, but yeah, that's it. All these, all these places we're doing, there's a really good reason why we're going all those places. It's because we want you guys to have fun Yes. and we want to give you more than just our show. We want to give you a reason for coming to where we're going. True. So 
Tracy, what we got going on over there? Alrighty, on our iTunes we have our lovely Mojo Lobster. We only had one review this week, and that's okay because we know it's Christmas time and there's too much other stuff going on. We appreciate it. Our Patreons are Travis Overcash and Jesse Sanchez. Thank you guys for your patronage. We for, uh, you know, just want to say thank you for doing that because it does help support the show, and we appreciate you guys more than you'll ever know. So we love you. Right, and I know I don't mention it very often because that's really not what we're about but patreon is a cool thing if you're if you're not a member and you've never checked into it or maybe you're just starting at a podcast but we do six bonus shorts every week they're like eight to ten minute deals and then we do two full-length bonus episodes every month so you can actually get another 24 well, that's not right yeah it is 24 small episodes and two full-length bonus episodes every month yep so just something to try all right with that being said let's bring on tim and dana halloran hey guys i'm excited uh, you guys know every time we go to cryptid con or every time we go to Scarefest or one of these other conventions we always get a big bunch of guests lined up for you and this is one that uh we had to wait till after the holidays everybody was so busy but We've got Tim and Dana Halloran on. They are from the Bigfoot Influencers Podcast. And also the name of uh, Tim's book, Big, uh, Bigfoot uh, Influencers. And it's aptly named because Tim went through and basically talked to almost everybody in the uh, the cryptozoology slash Bigfoot field and, and got a bunch of cool stories straight from the horse's mouth. So Tim, Dana, thanks for coming on with us. Hey, Jerry, we're super excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jerry. We're really, yeah, sorry it took us so long, but we're thrilled to be here. <laughs> so, so Tim, let me start off a question for you. And for our listeners at home, there is a little bit of a delay, so there might be a, a little bit of a delay in the answers, but that's why. But Tim, help me out here because I actually don't know this. I didn't, I didn't do enough research. What came first, the podcast or the book of the same name? So the uh, book came first. So, so the, the podcast was, uh, Dane and I talked about the um, a way to promote the book, or really not really promote the book, but really to share what we, were, what we did in the book and, and do it for a different type of audience. So the podcast is an extension of an idea of the book, if that makes sense. All right, so let me ask you this then, because I know how many of these people are in the book. It's amazing. Cover with the audience some of the names that you've talked to in your book, some, and then tell us about how this book came to be. How did you decide that I want to write a book on on all these Bigfoot stories and, and that I'm going to make contact with all these different big names in the field and get their stories? That's a great question. Uh, so I guess some of the names, I'll start with some of the names. Um, I'll, I'll try to go alphabetical order in my head. That way I can keep it straight because I'm always going to miss some. There's third, we have, I've got about 30 individuals in the book. And then I have some other uh, individuals that helped in other ways of the book. So there, maybe in total, there could be 35 or so uh, individuals that helped out with the book. Um, I guess it starts that the book kicks off with Cliff Barrickman. Um Amy Boo, Peter Byrne, uh, Lauren Coleman, Lyle Blackburn, 
Daryl Collier. I'm up to C now. See, I'm trying to go in my head. I'm going alphabetical. <laughs> um, um, Matt Pruitt. I'm bouncing around here. Dr. Russ Jones, uh, Craig Woolheater, uh, Survivor Man, Les Stroud, um, Thomas Steenberg, Ron Moorhead. And, and that's that's a you know a small group of them. And it's tough to get down to that list. Uh, but that's that's a list of, uh, a, you know, kind of cover some of them. Uh, Stacey Brown's another one. And then I'll kind of pass it off. If, if you want to start back before the concept of the book, maybe we'll talk about how we kind of springboarded into getting to know and befriending some of the uh, the influencers and the other researchers. And I'll let Dana kind of take in from there how we first got into the hanging out with the Bigfoot people. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I've, you know, I was more of the Bigfoot in, uh, influ not influencer, but enthusiast. Um, was watching, you know, finding Bigfoot a lot with my son, Gabriel, our youngest, and, you know, just got really into the whole phenomenon, watching that with him, um, and have always wanted to go to either do an expedition or go to a Bigfoot conference. So I finally convinced Tim after many years to take me to a conference. So he took me to the Ohio Bigfoot conference. Um, Tim wasn't, you know, you weren't really a Bigfoot person. No, I was open. I was open-minded, <laughs> right? Because I, I think it's all cool, you know, all the all any unexplained phenomenon. But I definitely wasn't into into Bigfoot. Yeah, know, like so. Tim had gotten me like a wooden statue of Bigfoot, had it carved by a local artist here, um, down in Southern Delaware. He usually carves tiki torches or tiki statues for people's like patios and stuff, but. He made me a Bigfoot uh, and Tim got that from me. So I was always like crazy about it. So finally, we're going to the Ohio Bigfoot Conference and and we get there and we're checking in at the lodge. And um, all, of a, all of a sudden, I see Dr. Jeff Meldrum standing in front of us uh, going to check in. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> like I was like just completely starstruck. And I'm like, oh, my God, Tim. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You don't know who that is. But, but that's the coolest dude ever in the Bigfoot world. And so Tim, you know, being like very, you know, uh, courageous and goofy, social and yeah. goofy, walks right over to him. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's going over there to talk to him. So he just starts talking to Dr. Jeff. And and then I come over and I'm just like, hi. I'm like, And, and what I told Jeff, I said, you kind of look familiar. Who are you? <laughs> So, and, so, Jeff, and Jeff's in the book too. So yeah. So then you know we went back to our cabin. I'm like, oh my god, this is the best day ever. I just got to meet Dr. Jeff. So then we're like, okay, it's you know, let's go to the back to the lounge and like hang up at the bar, maybe have a drink, and maybe we'll run into some more people. So we get there, and we right away we meet Mark DeWorth, who is the organizer of the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. I didn't know who he was, um, but we just started talking, the, uh, the two of us with him, and he just seemed like a really cool dude, and he invited us to the VIP uh, party uh, that night, so that's pretty much where it all kicked off, so then we got that that party, we met um, Cliff and Bobo, Dr. Jeff was there also, who else was uh, there? John Wilkes was right, there. Right, John Wilkes from uh, Massachusetts. Uh, Dr. Russ Jones was there, I think. Yep, yep. Um, there's a bunch of a bunch of bunch of people there uh, that and we were just hanging out. We're in a house, having dinner, drinking, drinking, and having a couple adult beverages, and right. just hanging out and we with got, these guys. And we started becoming friends with them. It's it's kind of cool. And so yeah, so then 
yeah, it was just the coolest moment for me at that not besides having a baby and marrying you. <laughs> it was having it was a really cool moment for me. So yeah, so then we started going back every year to that conference and Tim started getting really interested and now he's Jerry, he's way past me now. Like that's all he wants to talk about. Like I I I literally like 3 weeks ago I had to have a serious conversation with him and say baby I don't want to talk about Bigfoot that much. It wasn't okay? that serious conversation. <laughs> like, can we talk about something else? Like, can we watch something else on YouTube? Or, you know, can I love it? But he's like completely enthralled with the world. I can see himself now holding back with me on not sharing too much. <laughs> that is true. But anyway, yeah, the whole bit, the whole the whole thing with him writing book the book was just awesome because I think from our experience of getting to meet all of these different in influencers in the subject it um it was just like a thing for tim to do so he could introduce these people to the rest of the bigfoot world so everybody could know who these people are what they're researching um, what their experiences have been and um so it's just it's been a really cool thing for tim to do with the book mm -hmm. and interesting uh, jerry it was it was kind of a personal quest because i i just like we're doing now i listen to podcasts and I'd hear somebody that I didn't know who it was, you know, because you can you can watch documentaries, you can get on YouTube, you can listen to podcasts. And it was it was someone who's fascinated me. I said, wow, that's some you know, there's a lot of people out here doing things that are trying to push this subject forward. So I said, wouldn't and I just had this crazy idea. I said, wouldn't it be cool to, to have one place where enthusiasts and other researchers or people just interested in the subject? could go and see get a, a bit a, a snapshot of what's what what they're doing and, and kind of i hate to say a directory but it was that was kind of the idea i said hey how you know that would be just a great idea so that's kind of how the book um started and then it went it, i went from like zero miles an hour to 100 miles an hour pretty quick after that so <laughs> yeah i completely understand it and then I don't think a directory is a negative connotation by any way, shape, or form, because I own a couple of books that, that are, uh, I would be say, would sit in that same category as a directory, and I think they're very useful. So I, I could see how that would be a useful tool to some people who say, well, I don't want to buy 30 books on Bigfoot, but I can buy this one book and learn from 35 different people. That's pretty. Uh, that's a pretty cool concept, I believe. And that's a great way of putting it. You're right. That yeah, is a great, great way of putting it. It's, it's like a, it's a, it's like a, a little encyclopedia, and um, that's a great way of putting it. And there's so many more we can. I, I mean, I think I don't know how many volumes I'm going to have. I haven't. I haven't officially started on volume two. I've got my preliminary list of of individuals that are going to be in volume two. But there's, you know, in the beginning. I wasn't sure how I was going to get 30 people. And then once I really started peeling back the onion, you know, the, the skin, there's hundred, there's probably two, 300 people I could put in there. So it's just, it's, and now I'm thinking how many volumes am I going to have to do or want to do? It's not have to, but so it's, it's pretty cool. So I'm really excited about that. In this book, give me, a quick synopsis of uh, one or one or two of your favorite stories that you got out of the book. Which ones stand out above others? Well, I, you know, I can tell you because because the 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 concept of the book is 
Uh, and Dana was a big part of the book, helping me. Uh, it's, it's an interview style book. So um, when I got in, when I had the idea of the book, of course, I ran it by Dana first. And then I talked to my friend, Matt Pruitt, who's in the book as well. Matt's Matt's been involved in the subject for a while, and he's done some other professional things. He's a director and a producer of uh, uh, the uh, Bigfoot and Beyond podcast with Cliff and Bobo. And he's just done a lot of different things. And um, I put this, the chapters, there's one cha- a chapter per individual or influencer. And there, um, I asked him questions and we, we blended in some personal questions because I thought it'd be neat just to say, hey, maybe the readers may want to hear, like, for example, if, I, if we were interviewing you, Jerry, maybe they want to know, you know, what Jerry likes to cook or not, not overdo it, but just have some blend in some fun personal uh, questions. So uh, getting back to a couple of my things that stand out, I, I'll, I'll start off with a funny story. I think one of the funniest stories uh, was from Lyle Blackburn, and I, I asked, you know, what was an, embar- an embarrassing moment you've had in your life? And when he was in seventh grade, he's big in the, he's he's a musician as well, and he was big in the Kiss. So he was in seventh grade and sixth or seventh grade, and dressed up as Gene Simmons, uh, you know, for for Halloween. <laughs> so. He, n- not thinking, he grabbed his mom's, I guess, what'd he say? His, her, because we interviewed him too, her platform boots. Yeah. And he, he, <laughs> he wore her boots to school and not thinking that he was going to have to walk around school all day in his, on these high heel boots because he wanted to look like Gene Simmons from Kiss. So that's one of my favorite funny stories. Yeah. Um, I think one of the most compelling stories, um, because there's so many, you know, many of the individuals in the book had their own personal experiences as well. Um, but Kathy uh, Strain, uh, who's a scientist, and her husband, Bob Strain, um, they're part of a, an organization called the North American Wood Ape Conservancy uh, in southeast Oklahoma. And they're boots on the ground. Um, I, I, could, I may do a whole book just on the group there because they're just a fascinating group. Um but they, them and two others uh, had a, a, a daytime sighting of two Sasquatch or two Bigfoot, uh, depends on who, you know, what, what you want to call them. Um, and all four of them saw these in the daytime. Uh, there was a, they think they weren't adults. One was about four feet and maybe the other one was six feet tall. And they were coming up towards them and they chased them. And they, these, these two creatures r- ran up a ridge. Again, broad daylight, four, four individuals saw them. And they were just, you know, astonished. So that was that's pretty compelling. That was one of the most compelling stories I think I got out of it. Mm-hmm. Dana, out of all the uh, the people that you guys had a chance to talk to and interview and all that stuff, who has impressed you most from actually meeting them in person compared to what you you saw on TV, what you thought you knew of them? Uh, who just stands out above the others that you were most excited to meet? Wow, that's a really good question and a really tough question because I almost feel like after every podcast, I'm like completely blown away um, after the interview of really getting to know these people because Tim's interviewed them already. And of course, I've read the book, but it's one thing reading the book and 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 it's another thing just having a conversation with them. So that's a really, really tough question. I think if I had to pick one um I mean, I, I I might have to say Ron Moorhead um, because I don't think I really knew too much about him 
before. Um, I think that the um, the Sierra Sounds audio that he has, so I don't, I'm sure you're aware of this, Jerry, but even just mm -hmm. for the audience, Ron has some audio of uh, um, alleged Sasquatches talking in this really crazy language that, you know, I, I mean, it sounds like a language. I um, used to teach English as a second language. Um, I'm bilingual. Um, so, you know, just having that experience with speaking a foreign language, you kind of can just hear things in this audio that sound like a foreign language, um, but that is not being made by a human voice. So I think Ron and, and talking to Ron um, and his experience with getting that audio and the experiences that he's had out in the woods. And you know what? He's also just like a really nice person, has like a huge heart, um, really believes in putting out positivity and love in the world. And so, I, you know, it, it's it, like I said before, it's hard to pick just one person because other people have you know, really, I, I swear after every interview, I'm like, oh my God, that was awesome. But I would say Ron Moorhead was probably the person that stuck out to me the most. I'll tell you who you guys have had on your show that uh, to me is is probably always going to be my favorite is Steve Coles. He, uh, oh, Steve's cool. Yeah. He, he just yep. is a unique character and you can't see it because it's off camera, but right in front of me over here, I actually have his autographed uh, picture hanging up here on my wall. But uh, I tell the story every time I talk about Steve, we were at Scarefest, and this is five years ago. And uh, we walked out back, uh, you know, where everybody's kind of taking some breaks. And I just randomly asked a question that I thought was just going to be a simple question. And he just completely lost his mind. And then I asked him, did I think or did he think that it was possible that Bigfoot could be an alien? And if you know Steve enough, as I do now, that's not the question you want to ask him because he is an adamant believer that that is not any way that he's in a, uh, you know, an alien or anything like that. He's a creature here, earthbound and all that. But it was so funny that he just was completely like, I was so offended that I asked that question. And uh, so when I brought him on the show, I reminded him of that. After, and I told everybody before that, but it was probably... Uh, two and a half, three years later before I actually had Steve on the show, but I reminded him about how funny it was so that he just was completely offended that I would say Bigfoot could be an alien. And I didn't even say that that was my belief. I just said that some people think that what was his thoughts and you'd have thought I'd killed his puppy or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think Steve, unfortunately, yeah, Dana, I think that's when one of the episodes you were, you were, yeah. she wasn't feeling well. So she didn't, yeah. you know, usually, you know, that was the one episode that I missed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Steve, Steve is, I think what fascinates me about Steve is he's so, I mean, his, his background and he was a paramedic before he was a private detective, but he's trained in interviewing and, and picking up body language and that's what he does. So mm -hmm. I think, he was he's pretty cool just because he 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 can he can weed out the bs mm -hmm. if, you know so uh yeah steve steve and steve's just a cool guy yeah he does he, he and i were tap, talking about Scarefest. he hasn't been down there in a while so he said he did mention he might want to get back down there here in the future so i mean jerry yeah. what's your um uh, you know what, what do you think do you think that there's a possibility that bigfoot is an alien no actually I'll tell you the only reason that I'll even entertain that thought is because John E.L. Tenney one time told me that 
there were a lot of sightings that he investigated to where there was also UFO sightings at a similar time in a, in the in the same place uh where there were um people would say a lot of times even though they didn't initially think about it that they either saw a bright flash of light sometime before they had their sighting and that leads me to believe that maybe it could be something interdimensional or maybe of alien like and maybe that's why they can't find uh, carcasses or remains or anything like that but I, truly if you was to pin me down i think that they're just uh, uh, a creature like anything else that's that is earthbound that is uh like a, a a primate and i think they just do a really good job of hiding and and they're in situations to where they're in such a vast wilderness that you don't find plate bodies because hell people go missing all the time and we never find our bodies so, you know, if it takes mm -hmm. you two weeks, well, out in the wilderness, there's scavengers have already disposed of almost everything. So uh, that's probably why we don't find anything, you know. So that's that's my yeah, I mean, guess. I think they could. Yeah, I think they could be by a lot. I mean, I think they could be biological creatures, um, but they could still possibly um, arouse the curiosity of aliens. Like, just imagine that we are being visited by aliens, which a lot of people believe. And we have, you know, you know, documentation and video, even from the government of unidentified objects flying, you know, they they take pictures of them in their military aircraft. So, you know, um, just imagine that for a second that aliens are visiting the earth. Um, a, a Sasquatch might be something that they would be curious about um, because it is so close to us and it is uh, supposedly intelligent. Um, so my, 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 you know, viewpoint on that is they could be biological just like we are, um, but they're also possibly being visited. Um, I don't believe that, that aliens are taking their bodies or Bigfoots are necessarily able to like walk into another dimension, but that's just my opinion. I also don't scrutinize other people who have that opinion because guess what? We don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't know. Yeah. And I think Steve, actually, Steve Cole's going back. Steve, I think he did have a either orb or an al uh, 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 alien, not alien, but but unidentified uh, a UAP or UFO sighting. Yeah. But he doesn't relate it to Bigfoot. But I think he right. did have some, some weird lights or something he saw. Here's my theory, because it's a little wacky. So my theory is this, because I've, I mean, I don't know what you think or what other people think, but I just find it really amazing how intelligent humans are compared to all the other animals here on earth. You know, they have um, theories of ancient aliens that have visited us, um, you know, 2000, 3000, 4000 years ago, you know, maybe there's a possibility that uh, aliens have been crossbreeding with bipedal primates for thousands of years um, to try to create something like that we are right now who are super intelligent. Um, and uh, I mean, we're just able to do amazing things compared to other animals here on Earth. That may, And maybe uh, the Sasquatch is what we would have been had aliens not uh, been intermingling and uh, crossbreeding with us. It's an interesting concept. Yeah. 
I know. Yeah, that's okay. Talk, I told yeah. that to Tim like on the second or third date, and he was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, I'm like that's... "I just need to let you know." Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, funny, but you know, I actually asked. I I remember I asked Jeff Meldrum that question in in the book of why are humans. Uh, so far more far advanced than other primates and other animals i don't know if i got the i didn't we didn't get into the weeds too much you know i think he in in a, in a one sense i think he said our ability to think or something but it's definitely an interesting question you mm -hmm. know so you guys have been doing the podcast for a little while now you got a you got a bunch of episodes out there what is the easiest mm -hmm. way do we have 10 15 you're close though you're just off by you know a third <laughs> <laughs> So I, I know that I've not tried to look up an audio. I've, everything I've seen has been video. Do you guys do an audio version of the podcast also, or is it strictly video? Yeah, it's, it's, it's both. So once it, once it drops, so we, we have a YouTube channel and the YouTube channels um, hosted by um, the untold radio network. And there's eight, I guess there's eight channels. We have or eight, eight podcasts that we have now. And it's, it's run by uh, Doug and Alex Highcheck, and I think most of the audience who are and maybe you know who Doug Highcheck is. He's uh, he was the producer of uh, Monster Quest, Sasquatch Legend Meet Science, um, and a bunch of other things. So Doug's a pretty cool and amazing guy. So so we're part of that. So we weren't sure about doing YouTube at first, but it drops on YouTube. We 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 put our episodes out once a week. And we we don't edit it, so apologize to you guys who are start. I hope you listen to it. So if you go to the Untold Radio Network, you can find our podcast and and all the other cool ones are on there. And then and then once and then it goes out on all the audio platforms. So you know whether it's Spotify or Apple Music, but you can find it anywhere um, on the audio version. You guys have had a lot of great guests already for the fifteen episodes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> and 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 I. <sighs> I mean, I had a leg up because almost everyone, except one, I think so far, have were in a book. So it, it wasn't hard for me. You know, they they were kind enough to agree to be in the book. So jumping on the podcast, they were knew they knew what they were get, getting into. Uh, many of many know Dana, but some didn't yet until the podcast. So mm -hmm. she makes it so much better. Um, and so it's kind of, I hate, it wasn't, it's kind of, it's, it's, you know, I have at least 35 people I can get on this year. So I think, you know, some might be tougher, you know, I'll have to, you know, like Dr. Jeff's probably going to be tougher to schedule and, mm -hmm. and, and Cliff, Cliff's really busy, but I'm, you know, they'll all do it. And then we'll have some other, we're going to have some other people that aren't in the book, obviously on there. And we've mm -hmm. already had Michael Freeman uh, has been on the podcast and mm -hmm. we've got a couple other ones coming up here uh, soon. So. Yeah. And I think that the book, I mean, the podcast is definitely different than the book because, you know, like Tim and I are both like, we're the people at the dinner party who are just, you know, chatting up everybody. And we're just so curious about people and we're asking lots of questions. But at the same time, we're having a lot of fun and joking around, um, even though Sasquatch can be a very serious subject. You know, um, we're talking to real people and, um, you know, who have their own ideas about things and we try to have fun and, um, you know, we try to... so. In that way, it's, I think just, it's, I think I make it a little less serious because Tim can be very serious and very like, where I also want to make sure that the listener isn't getting lost in the Bigfoot, you know, jargon and mumbo jumbo because of who's who in the Bigfoot world, because my, I would love to bring in new people to the subject 
so they can hear about what's going on and that that this isn't just like some like silly little legend like there this is actually a very serious thing that people need to know about and she's you right guys are, she, she definitely, you guys are a really good balance with each other so i agree with that yeah she's great she's amazing oh she you really stop so but, are you <laughs> I'm getting better because I, I, I over-prepare and I'm, I'm usually, you know, like if you like this, when I, I've been on a few podcasts as a guest and I'm laid back and I'm, you know, having fun. But then when I, when I started with, with our podcast, I, I, I tried it, you know, but I'm getting better. Yeah. I, and it's so funny, Jerry. Cause like when, I mean, Tim's the one like at a dinner party or out with friends, who's like cracking everybody up sometimes like, you know, going a little bit over the, 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 the appropriate line mm -hmm. of, yeah. <laughs> with his jokes and, you know, um, and, which is great and awesome. And that's what, that's what makes him so funny. Um, but yeah, when we first started the podcast, you know, and I just wanted to lighten things up a little bit and be goofy, I could feel like Tim, like hitting me under the table. Like, <laughs> I'm like, like, and then after I'm like, don't hit me under the table. I want to make this fun, Mr. Serious. So, you know, we're, we're, he, I'm, he's starting to lighten up. I'm getting used to it. Yeah. And so, yeah, but we're still like super curious about yeah. our, our person and, and we want to just really introduce that person to the world. Well, I think you guys do a fantastic job on the podcast. I think you're you're getting exactly what you were wanting to do out of it because it is fun. At the same time, you get what you your point across, but it's not boring in any way. It's not like some super scientific lecture or anything like that. It actually you get to know the guests, you get to know you guys, and it's fun and the time kind of flies. So I would say you you you've done accomplished what you wanted to out of it. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. We appreciate that. It means a lot coming from you, Jerry. Absolutely. So, uh, when you guys, when we got it, we got a chance to hang out a little bit at uh, at CryptidCon, and I thought you guys were an amazing couple, first of all, and obviously coming from you know a, a show to where it's myself and and my wife. You know, uh, I, it's kind of fun when you see other couples and, and when I knew you had a podcast, I was like, you guys would be like the perfect guest because I knew it would, I knew it'd be a fun interview because you're just, like you said, just hanging out there. You guys were a blast to, to be around. So we were excited for that. Yeah. Thank you. We have fun together. Yeah. We totally. And part of the, the, part of the reason we wanted to do the podcast, it just gives us something to do yeah. together. That's fun. I think it was Kathy Strain that said, couples who Bigfoot together, stay together. <laughs> No, she should work so, for Hallmark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it's a fun hobby for us. It definitely is. I mean, now it's turned into a little bit more than a hobby because we, you know, right, yeah. we got the book and the podcast, but it's a fun thing to do together. Absolutely. All right, so let's start there, uh, Tim. How can people get the book if they want to uh, grab a copy? Great, thanks for asking, Jerry. So, uh, multiple ways. There's, um, you know, if you want to support, if you want autograph copies. Um, and, and you want to support small business, um, you can purchase a copy at the International Cryptozoology Museum. They all have web online stores. Uh, you can purchase one at SasquatchTheLegend.com. You can purchase it at um, Cliff Berrickman's Museum, the North American Bigfoot Center. Uh, you can go to Hangar One Publishing. Uh, and then you can go to Amazon and all the other uh, media outlets. You know, or, originally when I, when I released the book, I purposely did not put it out on the mass media outlets and, it, and that maybe it wasn't a big deal, but I, I just wanted to give the, some of the individuals that were in the book that had museums, 
I just want and and just some that weren't in the book. I just wanted to give the Bigfoot community uh, an opportunity to sell the book prior to it getting out. On um, nothing wrong with the you know the big the, the mass media places because we love them because we all use them. But I just want to give 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 the smaller bookstores a shot. You know, so I I released it out on the small bookstores for about a month or so before I put it out on mass media. But you can get it anywhere now. If you if you Google search the Bigfoot influencers book or just you can you you can find the book pretty easy. All right. And Dana, how can people find the podcast? So you can find the podcast. Um, first, uh, the first place that you can go is on YouTube on the Untold Radio Network. And we are on there, the Bigfoot Influencers. So that's like where you can actually view us because it, you know, it is like it is a show. Um, we and we, you know, the I guess the perk to the visual to watching it on YouTube is that you can actually like well sometimes we'll have in some like little like video footage or um just you know the picture of somebody's book if we're interviewing them. So there is an advantage, but it's it's obviously also still very listenable without uh visual. And you can pretty much find them on a, on all the other platforms. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, you know the Apple podcasts, um, Spotify, Spotify, yeah, Spreaker, all right. of them. Yeah. Anywhere, yep. anywhere you can get podcasts. Yeah. You're just putting in the Bigfoot influencers and that should pop up. And Absolutely. then we, mm-hmm. and then we have a website, uh, you know, the com. So I've, we've got all the, all the YouTube and the audio on there as well. We've got some things about the book, some things about the researchers mm-hmm. or the individuals, cause they're not all researchers. Right. And, um, and I'm working on trying to figure out how to put up some other cool things on the, on the website, but trying to get everything housed in one place so people, you know, can jump on there. And then what we'd like to do, and we we might have to ask you later, Jerry, uh, you know, we'd like to get some some witnesses, you know, even though all a lot of the individuals in the in that we interview are witnesses as well. But we mm-hmm. we thought it'd be cool to start doing some more witness. Yeah, every now and then. Yeah, get a couple, mm-hmm. you know, throw a bonus episode in just with the witnesses. Yeah. So. And we're I mean, we are not the Bigfoot influencers. You know, Tim and I are just curious people who interview the people who inter- who influence the subject. Um, that's definitely a point that I wanted to make. We're not Bigfoot experts. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we're not, we don't live in an area where there's Bigfoots, um, but we're just super interested in the subject and super interested in the people. So you can also follow us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and also on Twitter as well. So, you know, we're always like posting things here and there about what's going on um, with the book and with uh, the, you know, some of the researchers and what they're doing and maybe even where we're at, at, Mm -hmm. you know, the next conference that they're going to, that we're going to be at. Well, Tim, Dana, it's been an absolute blast having you on. And I'm going to encourage everyone listening to go check out the podcast, whether it's video style or audio style. And as usual, if you like what you hear, Leave them a review and make sure you tell them that you heard about them on Hillbilly Horror Stories. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Hope you have a happy new year. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. All right, guys. That wraps it up for this week's episode. Thank you so much. We appreciate you more than you know. Yes, you guys have a happy and blessed new year. And I'm looking forward to all the good things that are going to happen. So we love you guys.